yeah, I had no other option. It was, there's going to be, I can, I always think it can be worse. No matter your situation, it can be worse. And so, yeah, I said, if I don't row this now, if I don't gain it back again, it's going to keep on getting uh, In my head, I had that this storm was in this particular area and I needed to just make myself clear of it. Hello and welcome to the Helping Organisations Thrive podcast. This is your host, Julian Roberts. This podcast is to provide leaders and business owners with insights, discussions and robust strategies to help their companies thrive. We'll be interviewing business leaders, owners and experts in the field of business resilience. As a consultancy, we're here to help SMEs build resilient, high-performing teams and businesses quickly so they can innovate, deliver and thrive. If you would like to build a resilient team and business that creates, innovates and delivers, then do get in touch at julianrobertsconsulting.com. Welcome to Helping Organisations Thrive. Uh, Today, I have the great pleasure of Jasmine Harrison on the show. Uh, Good morning to you, Jasmine. Good morning. Good to see you. And now I'm going to tell people why you're on the show. At the age of 21, which was last year, you became the youngest woman in the world to row solo across the Atlantic Ocean. In fact, you're the youngest female to row solo across any ocean. Um, it took you 70 days, three hours, 48 minutes to be precise. And, and after hallucinations, sleep deprivation, hunger, injuries, capsizes, a near miss with a, a drilling ship, just to name a few of your challenges along the way, uh, and a lot of blood, sweat and tears, uh, you made it to the finish line and, and sort of got a world record which is fantastic and i'll say uh, well done to you and that's just, just amazing uh it must have been a, a great elation at the end how did you feel when you finished and got to the end of that uh, race um it was an amazing feeling but there was so much else happening at the same time that um it's difficult to really focus on the sort of celebratory part of it because i was always i'm I'm not done yet. I've had 70 days to prepare for this, but I'm not done. I'm not done until Argo, my boat, is also safe. Like, at that point, crossed over the finish line, but you're still existing at sea. You're close to land. Um, you're holding flares in the air that are burning through my skin. You're, there's so many other boats around and so much noise, and I didn't really know. Sort of, you can see, and you can see rocks and sort of everything around, and I was like... I'm not done yet. I'm panicking too much about Argo, like literally going on the rocks. I'm like, I've made it this far. Um, so I wouldn't say it was the most relaxing um, sort of experience. <laughs> but when you actually made it, stepped off on land um, and sort of stood there, it's so overwhelming because you also don't know what to expect. Because I got told people can't be there because of COVID. Um, mm. But then they were, you know what I mean? And it was like, oh, wow. This is actually, yeah, this is special. So when did it sink in? Did it sink in when you got off the boat or was it sort of a few days, weeks later? When did that sort of mammoth sort of uh, epic sort of challenge of getting a world record and uh, and accomplishing a you know solo row across the Atlantic? I don't think it has even sunk in yet. Like everything has just sort of continued moving forwards in every different sort of aspect. So it was when I reached land, it was like, oh, there's all these interviews, there's all of that, so you don't actually get any sort of reflection time. Mm. Uh, and then by the time 
you sort of do and things have calmed down you kind of have talked about it so much you've not it's sort of over you know what I mean um I'm not then I've not had time once I finished to sit there by myself on a beach quietly thinking it's just been manic there's been so many people um and that life has then moved on and Mm. I don't think I'll ever sort of kind of come to the realization of what happened or what I did or anything like that it's just yeah done that cool keep moving forwards um because I don't know I don't want to get stuck and dwell on it because I don't want to be talking about it for the rest of my life you know it's just (laughs) I wanted to do now it's not every day that we all go out there and take on an epic challenge like you know row the Atlantic solo um I'd be intrigued and just curious to know why did you take it on? What 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 was the why? What was the purpose? What was the the motivation to go out there? Not only do a challenge, but to do it on your own as well. So there's a few different answers to that. I'm afraid it's not straightforward. Um, <laughs> but there was it was the fact that I'd just seen the challenge, and at that point in my life, I felt like I needed to aim for something. I was just traveling, and I found out about this race. Thought, oh, I want to do that one day but mainly because all my friends have been at uni already for six months doing all this, telling me about how great it is. And I was like, I've not actually got anything to work towards anymore. Like, I've finished school. I've finished my animals. I don't know really what I want with traveling, but I needed a name. So chose a challenge. I thought, right, get that in my head as something to work towards because yeah it's a name it'll make me feel better about sort of what I'm doing even though what I was doing was brilliant um and then it was I needed to do it as the youngest because I spoke to some people and they said if you're going to do this the biggest issue is money because you need sponsors now a lot more people are starting to do this Atlantic Grow so you need to have a unique selling point what what have you got I'm like "Uh, I'm a girl is that thing I'm only at that point I was like I was only 18 um and I was like is that you know like, yeah do you want to do it by yourself I was like why not so like, okay cool right so if I did it by myself if I stay a girl and if I stay young then I could get a world record for this if you can say that to sponsors they're more likely to give you money so that was like a big push for the age thing and why I did it so sort of soon um but also it was, I wanted to do something really challenging, um, something that I can, I can keep traveling and not doing much of sort of working, um, sort of part-time jobs, but kind of said, yeah, but I've still managed to do this in that time as well. Um, and I wanted to put my spare time into something that was more for me, more personal, mm-hmm. always dedicated a lot of time to swimming and to sport. And I sort of had stopped competing in that as much. Right, I've got to put it into something else. I'd love to learn something new as well. Um, and so the why? Because you're not a you were you're not a rower, are you? By sort of background? No, I've, that's like rowing is one sport that I've never done. Uh, <laughs> I've done yeah everything. I'm a big swimmer. Um, I've even played like football, ballet, basketball, rounders, netball, hockey literally everything I was um used to do modern pentathlon as well so you've got the horse riding you've got fencing you've got shooting um I literally did everything but I'd never done rowing because I mean there's not the rowing club closest to me is still 20 odd miles away and it was always seemed to be 
a posh school thing to do. Um, and if I told my friends, oh, I'm going to get into rowing, it would be, um, I'd just get the mickey taken out of me um, from sort of my background. And, um, but this whole sort of why factor came for, if I can do the hardest thing, if I can get all of these sponsors, if I can overcome every different challenge to even get to the start line, even and didn't even know that COVID was going to be there at that point, and then row my 21-foot boat 3,000 miles across the Atlantic and get a world record, then maybe everything in life will seem easy. Like, I can then compare everything to somebody says, oh, will you speak to um, a stage of, like, 300 people? And I'm like, couldn't do that before. I don't want to do that. Why would I do that? And suddenly, you've rowed an Atlantic, Jasmine. You've overcome everything that sort of told you that it wasn't a good idea and sort of every sort of like barrier to stop you from doing it um and so you can get over this you can do it and so yeah I've now got a stepping point like a benchmark in my life which everything mm-hmm. else can be compared to and if it's easier than the Atlantic then it's going to be done um yeah, it just sort of makes that, that, That's a really good reframe. I do a lot of reframing with clients where you almost do that literally. Well, if it's, you know, I've done, I've rode Atlantic, so speaking in front of 300 people is even easier. That's no big deal. And it helps us in our own minds. And suddenly we have that reframe going on. Um, it's like when you, you know, you do a, a half marathon, you've done a marathon before. Well, you think, well, it's not as hard as a marathon because it's only a half. And so you suddenly feel easier when you're running it. And so that reframe really helps you. So you've got a massive reframe there, which is great. Yeah, and I, yeah so, I doing that. Um, so, I, when, so, when you, so when you were um, obviously getting on with the challenge and obviously embracing it, getting your sponsors and everything else, was there any doubts that were crossing your mind at any point? And even before you sort of got into that boat um, when you set off, and how did you deal with those sort of doubts or even imposter syndrome type things? Because... I'm sure you had a sum along the way, or were you just completely superhuman along the way? Um, to be fair, I would I wouldn't call it superhuman at all. I'd call it very naive. Um, <laughs> right. I didn't sort of I didn't realise just how sort of difficult it was gonna be. And at the time yeah. I just thought I was having bad luck. You know what I mean? Rather than I was just completely not aware of actually like the difficulties. So getting to the start line, I was, like thinking of sponsors, I thought, oh, there's loads of money in the world. There's loads of people that got loads of money that would give it to me. Yeah, why would they not? Because our oh, very positive thinking, like if I was rich, I'd want to give some money to a young girl that wants to do something cool like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was thinking, right, who's got money? What big companies are there? Right, we've got McDonald's, we've got Apple, we've got, you know, and they get, oh, right, to them guys, they've got loads of money, they'll give me some. Um, turns out the way. Um, <laughs> so it was all just, yeah, I overcome sort of everything because I had really high expectations, I think. Mm. And then it all just didn't come crumbling down, but I was just so sort of, it'll be fine the entire way because I didn't have a clue actually about what I should have done by a certain point. And I'd get an email from the Atlantic campaigns that organised the race and said, right, by now you should have this. Can we have um, the charities you're doing it for? Can we have um, like the type of boat you've got? And I'm like, not even there yet. Okay. Um, 
so yeah it was just very much overcoming everything was just I've got this goal I've got to do it and then actually again it all gets put into perspective because of covid so it's all these challenges you had before then didn't even matter because covid was there and it was like right even if a company wanted to give me money then I don't want to give me money because they need it because they don't know what's going to happen um and so yeah I like the kind of COVID thing was the um, Atlantic Row. You compare everything to that. Like, that was then the challenge. Mm. Uh, whereas, like, and that's what companies are thinking of. They use that as an excuse. I'm like, oh, well, code's finished now. There's no excuse. It's like, oh, right, yeah, fair enough. Okay, we'll sponsor you. Um, so how did you overcome those those challenges? I mean, obviously, the naivety where you just carried on thinking everybody will just give me money, but you were faced with that times when people said no or things weren't going quite right. Um, how did you keep pursuing that? Was it just grits? Was it, did you learn? Did you, how did you navigate all that? I really like to prove people wrong. Um, so that's a big driver for me. So I remember, and I just used a lot of contacts and it was like talk to a lot of people and it's always them sort of refreshing, sort of out like outlooks into what I'm doing. So I worked in a pub and everybody that came in I was just chatting to them even if I don't know the name they come in and say oh how's the road coming along and it's sort of like a really refreshing thing to be able to talk about it a lot of the mm. time um so it's even just to strangers constantly oh I'm doing this and then they just give you a, like a little bit of advice um or just say something that maybe I hadn't thought of because I've been dwelling on it so much um so I think it was just the constant sort of pressing the refresh button on it that mm. kept it alive um, and it didn't feel like it was dragging me down at all. And so, for example, somebody came into the pub one day and then I did say, have you given up yet? And I was there like, right, because of you, <laughs> I am not going to give up right now. And it was then suddenly actually tell everybody what this person said and they're obviously going to disagree. And it sort of drives you a lot more. And so... Yeah, it's I, almost almost the negativity became sort of fuel for you. Yeah, really? I, I fueled off a lot of other people, and it was what other people were driving me. So, like, I didn't want to let anybody down. I once I've told people I'm going to do something, I'm definitely going to do it. So, I had already told people it'd been a big deal. I'm thinking I can't stand not saying what I'm going to do. I can't go back on my word. I'm somebody that always wants to keep a promise. And if somebody's physically said, I will sponsor you, I will give you some money, I will even, I don't want to waste the time either. They've just spent 20 minutes of their life telling me about how they think this could work or trying to help. Yeah. I don't want to waste that. I don't want them to think, oh, well, that was pointless. Every single person became like valuable. Um, and I had making so many different notes. And yeah, it all became, it got overcome just from the amount of other people that were heavily involved that didn't know they mm. were even slightly involved. Like everything that they said, small thing that they said was huge in my mind. Mm. Um, and yeah, it all just got pushed forwards like that. And did as you, as that, I guess that naivety became a bit more real and more aware as, as, as you, as you went through to sort of get ready for the, for the actual row itself and you perhaps had a few doubts along the way. Did you have any, at the moment you, you sat in that boat on the day you set off, was there any sort of fears or did you still have that sense of, 
not naivety, but just didn't really, I don't know, did fears come into you? Was there any thought? I know when I've done big events, there's always that sense of, well, I finished this, I got a little niggle of an injury. There's always, an not fear, sometimes that sense of, I might not complete this, or I'm not too sure about this, or this is a real big, or, you know, I've done triathlon, Ironmans, and, you know, the swim, I was never very, not a very good swimmer. Uh, and so that that's always my fear, is that swim start, which was the start of the triathlon. And so that would be my things the day before. Did you have anything going on in your mind? Um, yes, but also no. So the thing that was mainly overtaking my mind was why am I not feeling more emotion right now? Um, so I'd just gone through all of that, and I was sat on my boat and felt completely numb. Like there was so much noise, and you feel like you're put into a little bubble. Mm. And I was like... I am struggling to listen to anybody telling me anything. I remember sitting on my boat about to be pushed off at the start and like the race organisers being down there, there's a photo of them speaking to me. And I remember just sort of nodding, but I have no idea what they said. Couldn't tell you. Um, And I just remember just being so sort of, I want to say focused, but not because I don't know what I was thinking about because I just... Yeah, I was so numb. I've never had a feeling, which is such a good feeling, but you don't know how to handle it. So I know, for example, if somebody close to you dies, you end up being completely numb. You don't know what to feel at all. And it's just like, right, Do I, I feel like I should be crying, but I'm not quite crying yet. And it's so overwhelming at one time. Mm. But I had this and the complete opposite and that this was good. This was all a positive thing and I was completely numb to it. And I've never had anything so sort of relieving and happy and amazing and once in a lifetime that has made me literally have no emotion to it. So I was rowing out of the start line going past um, the end of the ferry dock and just thinking, I should cry. I should make this a moment. This has to be a thing. Like, this is Mm. meant to be memorable. Everything is built up to this. Why am I not here? Why am I not present? Where's my emotion gone? Like, I didn't feel like I was there. I felt like I was watching somebody else do it. It was a really strange feeling because just when will you ever sort of have that, especially everything else Mm. you got through and the enormity of the past year has suddenly put down in literally a minute so yeah I didn't feel or really think anything all I was thinking was why am I not feeling anything um that's interesting that is interesting it's almost like is the enormity of the event itself was just I don't know was it overwhelming was it were you perhaps in a state of shock or who knows what was going on there that's interesting isn't it and then I do, I put it down to the fact that I was, I had hallucinations and I had seasickness patches on. And I said that just changed everything because they, it was messing sort of with my brain mm. and sort of what I was thinking and what I was like actually able to do and stuff like that. So I, I just blame on that. But I don't know, thinking that that was making me so tired and not aware. Like I, I was also so tired at that point. I'd hardly been sleeping. And the night before, I was like a bit of a mess about it. And I was thinking, right, okay. Thinking, oh, it's going to be so bad tomorrow. And it just wasn't. So I'm going to blame every other factor. <laughs> <laughs> now, 
obviously you had to row obviously the 3000 miles which is a, a challenge in itself uh, and navigate um but you you had a few interesting sort of significant challenges along the way and i'd like to, to just, just focus on those and just understand you know because we, we all we all face challenges in in our lives we all face challenges in our businesses and it's it's not so much the challenge itself it's more about how we deal with it how we overcome it and what we do in that moment isn't it that's that's you know we've all had the challenge of covid in the last two years and lots of companies have been navigating that and you know pivoting and doing various things different ways of working now i think uh, i remember from from what i've looked up on online that you were sort of woke up at the early hours of the morning with some sort of alarm and you had a a, a drilling ship um, that was making a beeline for you <laughs> not on purpose i'm sure they perhaps did see i don't know <laughs> so it'd be good for you just to explain a bit about that where how it started but it intrigued to understand about what was going on in your mind as well and how you dealt with that um so yeah i have an alarm on the boat which is called an ais alarm um and it basically gives off my signal to everybody else um, to say, this is where I am, this is my GPS point. But it picks up other boats as well. So if one comes too close to you, it will sound. Now, uh, it was about 20th of January, so I'd already been at sea for like six weeks. Um, and the alarms were already gone off before. Um, it's sort of been nothing. It tells you, oh, there's a boat three miles away. And I can't even see it when the alarm goes off. Um and it went off. It had been going off a few times. You just sort of check, turn it off. And then this one particular night, I wanted to, I was sending a lot of videos back home to say to people, like, this is normal life. This is what it's like out on the ocean. And I said to myself, the next time the alarm goes off at night, I'm going to grab my GoPro and I'm going to video it. And so, because obviously it's not been a big deal at all. Um, and so it's just annoying because it disturbs my sleep and it's a horrible, mm. horrible noise. So the alarm went off, I uh, turned off, showed up, videoed it, and I was like, right, so it's just woken me up. It's now four o'clock, and well, what we're going to do now, I'm going to get really angry and fall back to sleep. I'm going to check that it's there. That's sort of re- really dozily, because I've only been to sleep at two o'clock, um, sort of looked at my um, map, and I, you can hear me on the camera, she go, oh, well, that's fairly close to me, actually. I should maybe do something. Um, and it was so sort of calm. And I think a lot of it was because I was talking to the camera at that point because I was making a bit of a video diary. And so I, my reaction was very much based on as though I was telling somebody else what to do in that scenario. So you've been through a lot of training and stuff. And I sort of said, right, let's radio them and try to radio them nothing happened it's like and there's a video of me saying look that's where they are this is where i am let's go out of the cabin and actually see them um i did it comes out of the cabin like wow okay and i was turning the camera off tried to row out of its way tried to do um as much so, as so it was it was quite close wasn't it i mean in terms of yeah. and because obviously a big tanker can't slow down slowly because they alternately move quickly quickly, so yeah the alarm sounded when they were i think it was two miles away something like that it it basically was six minutes till impact um so i think they were two miles away 
and I tried to row just so they wouldn't make contact but going sideways onto the waves that night it was it would have um, capsized me so I couldn't really do that and I didn't have enough time to do a, a gradual angle so I was like right see if I can get my flares see if I can like light them because then they can see me a little bit more and then it tells them I'm here don't hit me but again you're worrying which color flares and suddenly like trying to remember that like revision going right it's white flares we need white flares red flares is a danger help me white flares is I'm here go away I'm trying to remember this at like four o'clock in the morning but trying to speak it out loud as well but it's cold you're scared I couldn't stop shaking I was so tired and I managed to contact them on the radio like just last minute to the point that the last time I measured on my navigation how far away they were, it was 0.2 miles when I made contact and they then started to turn. So we ended up being quite close. Can't tell you exactly how close, but I know it was 0.2 miles when they first started to turn. That's not Um, far away, is it? That's not far away. No, it's really not. When they're travelling at like eight knots and I'm travelling at one knot, um, they are going to catch up very soon. So it was literally last second. Um, I didn't want to have pushed that anymore, but <clears throat> it was, I think my sort of mental state through that, again, I want to put everything to just at the time rather than this is how I made, this is what my brain is, because I know that I'll react to the same scenario probably differently if it happened 10 times over. I'd mm. react different every single 10 time. So this time it was all very scenario-based on that I already had my camera running and I was treating it as though I was talking to somebody else of what I would do because, you know, this is this is my vlog. I've got to get it right. This is was, was that helpful, do you think? Did that, did that create a, almost a, a second person or third person? Yeah, I think so. It's almost like, um, you know, when you talk things through with somebody, mm. even though they don't say a word, just because you've said it out loud, it mm. kind of makes more sense. And so I was saying it out loud and, yeah, I wasn't getting a reply, but I didn't need one. You didn't have time. If, you, if you're, you've got something to deal with and you're just sort of there angrily looking at, like, your phone or something, you're trying to construct an email, and then you just say to whoever sat over there, does this make sense? And you read it out, and then you answer your own question and change it before they've even said anything. Mm. And it's like you've then sorted it, but it just needed like your, your brain almost felt like it needed somebody else, but you didn't. And you just get that little bit of reassurance because you heard it from a fresh perspective. Mm-hmm. So by me not hearing it in my own head, but yeah. hearing my voice out loud, especially because I, I've not heard my voice for a long time. I've been out there for six weeks. I've not really spoken. Mm-hmm. I've spoken on the phone, but, you know, it's suddenly an outside voice that's saying things. And you're like, oh. Look at that, another human. Mm. Um, I've got to listen to them. So it was, yeah, really. And I didn't strange. I didn't mean for that to happen. It just did, just happen by chance. Um, That's because I, you wanted to make a, a vlog of it just to show what was going on because you'd done it yeah. previously. And did you? Were you feeling? Was there anxiety, panic? What was your state of? Was a a sense of stress, or by the fact you were doing this? third person piece did that sort of change your sort of state as well um yeah I just remember being so worried I was so kind of nervous and it was more I knew everything 
when I'm out at sea, being there for six weeks, you know your boat, you know everything about it, you know every different noise that it's going to make um, and sort of movement and where it's going to go. So I had never heard this particular alarm before, so it sounded again, and I was on video at the time, and you can literally see my face when the noise changes. You go, oh, my gosh, what what is happening? And the sheer sort of panic that overcomes me um it's yeah it was another level of like okay I don't know what to do now um so I was definitely very worried but I think again I was so tired that that sort of changed everything else I became very calm I was really sort of right we'll do this we'll do that but it's actually because I didn't have the energy to sort of worry massively Mm. Um, I was all very sort of calm and internal worrying and distress rather Mm. than sort of panic throw your arms around ah what do I do shout and scream it was all like oh this is happening okay and I think that was literally based on the fact that I was so tired because I hadn't stepped them for a few days because it'd been rough weather Mm. and trying to just row out of it and this was like of my first couple of hours sleep that I'd had for it and I was planning on having a solid six hours sleep mm. and I was like, oh, this is annoying we can't get angry because I just don't have the energy to get angry <laughs> so yeah it was all sort of I don't want to say chance but I don't know still how I would react if that happened again and sort of factors were different um if I was well, there's some really good lessons there though I mean the fact that you, obviously you you have some sense of um, ways of working when these things happen obviously you went through a process that's important obviously in a business to if you anticipate certain challenges ahead we we put processes in place standard operating procedures whatever you want to call them Um, but obviously sometimes things when that happens it's the emotion piece and the fact that you did this speaking out and was like filming it you know I have a lot of clients who when they they share stuff with me and I do a lot of asking questions and they they share when they hear themselves, there's something about hearing ourselves when you speak out, whether it's a, you know, a big challenge you're going for, when you speak it out, it, it, it comes back to you and you hear it. And it's and the fact that you've not really spoken much because you were on your own, uh, there was some sort of power in that. And almost you third personed it as well, which probably helped, felt that you were almost looking on the situation as well. You almost created a different probably perspective, I guess. It's interesting, almost that that vlog which you just said you were going to do if it happened again actually probably helped you manage it in a better way which is interesting isn't it to learn from that yeah definitely because again it was for me it's I didn't I was so worried about what everybody else thought about me because I knew there was a lot of people following it I needed to get it right on the camera because I didn't want anybody to think that I was stupid or did something wrong or anything like that so it's almost the worry of letting people down back home um Mm. I didn't want. Did you um, ever question not just that situation, just any time on the on the trip? Your why? As in, why am I here? What am I doing? And I don't know. Did, did, did that? And, and did, how did you help you sort of get back to that? Because our why is, is the source of energy, isn't it? The source of, of of motivation. Yeah. So I did think that quite a lot, but. It wasn't, why am I here? It was more, why is this happening? What have I done to make this sort of bad situation be here? So 
um, within the first <clears throat> few weeks, I had some horrendous weather, like really, really bad. And it was pushing me so much in the wrong direction. I need to put out uh, something called a power anchor, which is literally a parachute which acts as an anchor and sits 100 metres below you in the water to hold you pretty much still. But um, the that I was still going backwards on that, so I would go miles and miles backwards. I'd be sat there for a few days, but then lift it up and try and get rowing to make some progress. And I'd row, like, literally 18 hours because as soon as I let go of my oars, I would go backwards straight away. I couldn't even stop for a drink, couldn't do anything. You've got waves coming over the side, hitting you um, in the face, just the splash from every single wave hitting the boat so uncomfortable so sort of miserable because it wasn't sunny either there was nothing there just huge waves coming from all directions and I'd spent so long just rowing constantly row for 18 hours I'd sleep for two and in the 18 hours I made six miles progress and I went to sleep for two hours and I lost four miles and it then took me another 12 hours to gain back what I'd just done. So I've just been rowing for literally an entire day pointlessly. Um, how do you how do you pick yourself up? That that, that feels quite um soul destroying when you're rowing, you make a little bit of progress, sleep, and you almost go back again. That must be how do you keep going with that? Because that's that is hard work, isn't it? Yeah, I had no other option. It was there's gonna be I can I always think. It can be worse. No matter your situation, it can be worse. And so I compared it. Is that what you think? You said it can be worse than this. Yeah, I said, if I don't row this now, if I don't gain it back again, it's going to keep on getting And In my head, I had that this storm was in this particular area and I needed to just make myself clear of it. As soon as I was clear, it was going to be okay. And so it was just get clear of the storm, keep going, keep going, keep going. And... I did, I managed to get clear of it, but it was the most frustrating thing. And yeah, I couldn't understand why it was happening. So I was rowing, I mean, I had scream at the sea. What are you doing? This is so unfair. Literally just crying, having an absolute tantrum at the sea. What are you doing? I don't want you to do like another wave coming over. I was like, why have you done that? What are you doing? You're meant to be over there. Stay in the sea. I'm a boat. I'm on the boat, stop putting water in my boat. Like, <laughs> shouting every sort of angry thing and just using that anger to fuel me the entire wow. way. I, like, I sort of, I felt not, it wasn't me, and it kind of turned it into a bit of a comedy sketch that everything, I was almost acting to be um, somebody that you'd see in a film that was right. just, you know, that angry person. Did you, did you feel that sense of... Not humour, but a sense of making it funny or making laughing at it almost as a situation. Yeah, I was so angry that I could feel myself laughing at myself. Like, really <laughs> internally, I could feel like I'd be there and it would just be another thing. So I'd have just got, I'd just dropped my arms, gone to get a drink or something, sit back and just sit and you realise you've forgotten something and you're like, why can't I do it? And it's like, and I could just shout at the fact that the sun came out and I needed glasses on. I'm like, and now you decide to come out when I've just sat back on my seat and I haven't got my glasses are over there. What are you doing? And I'd just get so angry at everything. It would turn into, yeah, it would be me laughing at myself, but very internally. I wouldn't be able, even if I told myself, oh, you, you must be laughing at yourself. I'm like, mm. no, I'm really not. I'm so angry. Um, 
And so it was just, yeah, I used a lot of anger to fuel it and knowing that I've just got to get clear, keep going, keep going. Mm. Once you get clear, then you could sleep, you could do everything. But also this is a story, this is what you wanted. You knew it was going to be challenging. You wanted big waves. Um, you got big waves. Like, this is an experience, even if the rest of the ocean's flat calm, you've had this day. And that's the thing is, you don't know what's going to happen or how long you're going to be out there. Mm. So it's sort of each day is like that for a reason. Um, but I just couldn't quite understand that reason at the time. Um, which is just <laughs> questioning everything. Like, why is this happening to me? What have I done? Did I not row enough yesterday? Is that way of doing it? Is it because I decided to eat that chocolate bar that I was trying to save? Is that why you're punishing me? It's <laughs> awful weather. And then a wave that hit you in the face, you're like, that's my answer. Thanks. Um, so, yeah. It, it, sounded, it sounded like, you know, it's like all these things, isn't it? It's it's the journey itself, isn't it? Like each day you were sort of probably internally sort of, as I say, enjoying, probably persevering. But it's, I think often we get caught up with the, the big goal, don't we, at the end of the end of the line which is obviously to complete it and clearly that's important but actually we've got to take each day at a time and be in the moment and you end up making bringing some comedy into it you're angry you're healthy with your emotions shouting a thing shouting at the sea um and almost start to capture that day this is what i'm here for this is is a challenge that's that's really healthy um was there any moments along that trip that you thought i'm not going to make this um no I don't think so there was a lot of moments where I did the maths I spent a lot of the time doing maths exactly if I go this speed what will I get per meter per day if the weather conditions are going at this and I I sat there doing a lot of maths and it was realizing um if I went this slowly I would make it in 150 days if I went this slowly, it's only 100 days. Okay, but if I actually put in a bit of effort and I carried on like that, I went, oh, I could make it in 50 days. I go, I can't do that, carry on, I'm shattered. Um, so it wasn't ever, I'm never going to make it. It was, I will make it, but just eventually. And then it was, you do the maths at a certain speed, and then it's how much, how many chocolate bars do I have? I've got plenty of food, I just don't want to eat it. How many chocolate bars do I have for this amount of time? Okay, how many, <coughs> sorry, knowing how many um, scoops of Nutella I've had out of a jar, um, I think if I had half a scoop every day, maybe my last four jars will be there the rest of the journey. And it was a lot of thinking like that, never, I'm not going to do this, I'm not going to make it. It was, I'll be there just wait <laughs> you know what i mean well that's incredible that you you just it's just the timing and the rather than the actual whether you're going to make it or not so you're completely confident in some shape or form that you were going to deliver on it it's just a matter of, matter of time um yeah. what 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 did you what surprised you about you during that trip um i think the biggest thing was actually um, a bit of a state that I got in with the food. Um, so I just mentioned that briefly. And I thought that I'd be so hungry, I'd eat everything all the time. And I've never been particularly fussy either. But I really struggled to eat 
So for somebody that's always I've enjoyed food, I like it. I spent a lot of time trying to put on weight before the row. Um and I was really sort of thinking about the different meals that I was gonna take and I'll have this on this day. This is how I'm gonna do it. I'm not gonna start my next snack pack until I finish my first one. And because obviously I'm not gonna take things with me that I don't like. Um but my sort of capacity to be able to make myself eat was awful I just literally didn't eat for days I would eat um protein bars so nine bars and like nature valley bars and stuff like that um and just chocolate so I'd have a big 100 gram uh dairy milk bar in a day and I'd have about two protein bars and that would be it pretty much the entire time and I'm rowing like at least a minimum 12 hours every single day it's more like 15 hours a day and I just couldn't physically eat anything else I had all this food like proper food that was dehydrated that I put so I'd make it and I just, I just couldn't eat it no matter how hungry I was like I was literally like starvation I was so hungry and I was thinking of every different food about how much you could just devour it but something in my brain had just stopped me from wanting to touch any of the dry food mm-hmm. didn't want to do it could do it and I also just couldn't be bothered to actually put water in it and to make it a meal because everything just seemed like a lot of effort because it wasn't put everything is going into rowing I then want to lie down and go to sleep for the rest of the time um mm-hmm. if I can't do it lay down I'm not going to do it and I'll say these bars I can eat lay down in my cabin chocolate bars you can do that but you can't do that with like a chili con carne or something you know um because I can't make a mess in the cabin because that's where I'm sleeping. That's my entire life. Um, so it was very much, yeah, that surprised me because I know that that's what my body needed to survive and everything would have been easier if I had mm. eaten. And I know that and I knew that at the time, but I just could not bring myself to eat one of these Russian packs. And I finished with still a full boat. And it's even just the fact that I knew that I was taking them across there and it was extra weight and it's going to make me even slower. And I just didn't eat it. And I still can't understand now. Why not? It just, I couldn't bring myself to do it. And and it's the most baffling thing because I can bring myself to do pretty much anything. Like it's sort of just that. And I was like, Jasmine, what is sort of wrong with you? And I have to use that as a bit of humour as well. Like how can you do this, do that, and not want to eat that? You know what I mean? Mm. It was just really, yeah, it was the most confusing thing. I wouldn't say I learned a lot about myself because it was just, it confused me. Because obviously you have to, it's sort of four or 5,000 calories a day you have to eat, don't you? Because yeah. you're, you're burning a lot because obviously you're, you're rowing a lot. Um, so that is, a, that is a challenge. And, and I know once you get past the, the seasickness stuff, food on any race any long endurance race the food bit is what usually makes people fail (laughs) in terms of the nutrition isn't it because they they run out of energy they haven't got any energy and they got water or whatever it is Uh, so that's that's quite important um if if you were to you know when people take on extreme goals um and looking back on this what one lesson for you or one lesson you could share with others who are taking on extreme goals whether that's a sporting sort of extreme goal or a business thing what what, what was it for you for this trip what, what have you sort of took away from it as, as one thing um it's got 
to be personal to you. So, for example, I said that I spoke to a lot of different people about everything. I was trying to listen to all the different advice, but actually it was listening to a single thing. It doesn't suit you because that's their advice. So I just learned to listen to myself and don't actually listen to a single thing that anybody else says because, for example, it was the big thing that crippled the start of my entire row was the seasickness patches. Uh, I got told that if you've never been seasick before on all of your training, you will be seasick on the ocean. And I thought, right, and they said, put on patches, put them on. You can do no wrong doing that. And it affected me massively and made me slow right from the start. And then I got caught in the storms and nobody else did because of the delay that I had based on these patches. Um, And so that was just the advice of somebody else that I trusted and that had done it before, that knew all of this. And because it was something that I didn't even know about, um, I just didn't listen to it. And so it has to be something for you. You've got to make up your own mind. And it's always make it your downfall, not having an excuse to blame somebody else for it. Because Mm. you always will blame yourself. Why did I listen to them? And it's like, no make it about you you choose you learn for yourself because actually the way that something if you make a decision you can evolve it everything else is going to happen because you sort of had that internal plan in the first place um Mm. whereas if it's somebody else's plan you don't have to adapt it like that's what they told you to do Mm. you can't do anything with that whereas if it's yours without you even realizing that that's why you chose it there is alternatives already building in your brain Mm. So if that's the kind of answer that you were wanting from me was don't. No, no, that's helpful. It's, it's, it's personalizing it. And obviously, you know, when we're in, in a situation, we've got to want to take responsibility and accountability and you're not to blame others. Even if we might have taken advice, you know, you took the advice, it was your, your responsibility to take the advice and, and act upon it is not to blame. And I think that's important not to, is to take that responsibility and, and personalize it. Uh, now, you've done an amazing thing and it's been brilliant talking to you today um, and in terms of what you've done and, and, and just, you know, kudos to you because I think it's a fantastic achievement in itself, uh, how young you did it as well. Cause I know it's not just the, the rowing piece, it's all the funding bit. It's a huge thing as well uh, to do. Uh, and so, yeah, well done for, for your world record. Now this is probably not the last thing you're going to do and I'd be intrigued to understand what is next. And uh, it'd be good to sort of tell the audience what, next adventure you're up for because it's i think it's sort of something in you now (laughs) at a very early age well thank you um but yeah i don't want to sort of stop i want to do other cool things i don't i don't think i realized that's what i wanted to do um it was actually just everybody saying what's next what's next i'm thinking i haven't thought about that actually i just wanted to do the row um but more sort of things that I'm thinking like yeah let's push myself but I want to push myself in different ways and maybe something that I know what I'm doing with a little bit more so I decided that I'm going to swim from Land's End to John O'Groats um up the as, as, you, as you do yeah exactly um as I said I'm a swimmer over anything else definitely over being a rower um and so I'm going to try and do this so I was is that clockwise or anti-clockwise clockwise so i'm up the west coast going around uh wales between between um england and ireland and then up around scotland wow. um 
going to set off in July or by July, hopefully, um, in the next couple of months. It's just getting a boat organised, getting the crew organised, and there's suddenly a lot to do in a short space of time. Um, but yeah, I figured let's do this because one, I can swim better than I can do anything else. Mm. I'll enjoy it. But also, I want to see more of the UK. Like, I've, I'd only ever really holidayed in the UK anyway until I went over to the Caribbean. But um, I want to see as much as possible. Like, I feel like you should know your own country because mm. um, I ended up knowing each Caribbean island that I visited, like the back mm. of my hand, and I don't even know. I know, obviously, the UK is a lot bigger than a Caribbean island, but I still want to um, have a bit more of an understanding and said that I've been places. Mm. So, yeah, swim up the coast of the UK and be the first female to ever do it, and it's only ever done, been done twice by two guys. Well, Ross Edgley did it, didn't he? He went all the way around, didn't he? Yep. Yeah. Um, yeah. You don't idea. fancy going all the way around. You just not. I'm, I'm diminishing the sort of challenges up. But um, no, I don't think so. But you never know. If I did it really quickly and I got to John O'Groats in like two months or something, and I still had time to go the whole way around, maybe. But it's, so it's two months is the sort of time scale you're looking at this. No, I'd be looking for more like three months, but I can only go off what other people did. So Ross did it in 61 days, um, whereas another guy, Sean Conway, that did it, he did it in four and a half months, but that was very weather dependent. He swam for 90 days. um, I'm thinking if I can do it in three months in 90 days, on average that's 10 miles a day, but if I can do 15 miles a day, then it gives you time to have days out for bad weather. Um, so I've said about three months it is very unknown because it's only been done twice and obviously there was a big time scale. So you'd be the they'd be the youngest and the only female to have done this, is that right? Yeah, youngest first, meaning I'm the oldest. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, definitely will be the first. And then potentially if somebody else, which I hope they would do, uh you might go in the future, it should make me the youngest as well. Fantastic. Well that that seems quite a an awesome challenge another stretch in a very different way i know it's your more your 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 trade as, as swimming is but still you've got the tides to navigate you've got whirlpools to navigate around scotland and obviously weather and just general exhaustion along the way i'm sure um so that's that happens in july so if people want to sort of connect with you jasmine or follow you what's the best way of them doing that um so at the moment because i've not decided exactly on the name for the swim i'm still under Instagram, I'm Jasmine R. Harrison. On Facebook, I'm under Rudley Mad. My rowing name was Rudley Mad, so everything is sort of found on there. Website, uh, email address, info at Rudley Mad, um, stuff like that. So, yeah, I'm found, easily, easily found. Instagram, Facebook is the way that I'd probably check most often. Brilliant. Well, I'll, I'll put all those links that will be in the, the show notes uh, on the on the podcast itself. And so people can sort of keep in touch with you and and sort of follow your progress, certainly in the, the swim in July, but also just what else you're doing. Uh, really appreciate you coming on today. Really interesting and really inspiring what you, you've done so far. Uh, and be quite exciting to see what, what unfolds for the next few years with you. So uh, thank you for coming on today, Jasmine. No, thank you. It's been really nice to talk to you. If you like this episode, then please do rate, review and share with your friends and colleagues. As a consultancy, we help SMEs build resilient, high-performing teams and businesses quickly. 
so they can innovate, deliver and thrive. If you'd like to build a resilient team and business that creates, innovates and delivers, then do get in touch at julianrobertsconsulting.com.